It's the start of Spooky Ghost Week. First, we're going to go to a college where the ghost of a young woman still plays the piano late at night. And it has implications that are scarier than you think. And then we take a trip to a haunted mine. But not just any haunted mine. This one allows us to do an interactive adventure today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day too. It's the beginning of Ghost Week. I actually just came up with that idea. I did a bunch of research this weekend, and I came up with all these great ghost stories. I was reading, well, because I was reading a book on ghosts, I came up with a bunch of stories in general, but I go, I have so many stories about ghosts. I think we'll make this a theme week. Now, not every story is going to involve ghosts, but every episode will have a ghost story in it, culminating with Friday being one of our, and I always say this, that it's the most requested topic, but this one here is actually the most requested topic from the Conspiracy Iceberg. We're going to cover it Friday. I'm not going to spoil it for you. I will give you a hint. It involves ghosts. But it's more than that. But let's go ahead and jump on in to our first story for Ghost Week. Now, this one is interesting because a lot of times when I poo-poo ghost stories, I start to bring in physics, like... How can a ghost stand on a boat? Like, wouldn't they fall through the boat if the boat was moving? Wouldn't it fall off? Like, I'm constantly trying to figure this stuff out. Can a ghost be in an airplane? Is the airplane taken off? They're like, no, no, wait, wait, ah, and they just haunt the runway? Like, how does ghost physics work? And this story kind of gives us an idea of what it could be. But before we get into that part of the story, so there's two ghosts that we're going to cover in this first story. So there is a college in Arkansas. So we're going to go to Arkansas. You know, we're going to put the Carpenter Copter aside for right now. We're going to take the Dead Rabbit Dirigible again. Now, first off, I'm not going to do that stupid sound effect joke again because it totally failed. I listened to that episode a couple days ago and I was like, that was a stupid joke. But it's there. It's recorded or whatever. And I want to let you guys know, actually, I did an episode on the Ghost Blimp. And there was a YouTube commenter who, who made a remark saying, now I know why you use a helicopter instead of a blimp. And it was funny because he put this little nugget in my head. Later on when I invented, I I mean, the Dead Rabbit Dirigible is real. It's totally real. But later when I remembered I had the Dead Rabbit Dirigible, I was like, wait a second, that guy. So I am a naming guy with the headphones. He is our co-pilot for the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. And we're going to take this Dirigible all the way from Hooded River. Okay. We're going to go to Arkansas. It's three years later now. It's 2022. The blimp is incredibly slow. Anyways, we're in Arkansas. We're specifically going to Harding College. So get your college books, get your number two pencils and your scantrons, but then put those away because we don't need those. We're just going to walk around college. So we're at Harding College. I'm sorry you already bought those school books. You can return them. You'll get half credit. But anyway, so we're at Harding College now, and we're going to meet a ghost named Gertie Sue. Now, Gertie Sue is one of those ghosts that I'm not a huge fan of. They just kind of walk around. I always thought it was boring. Ghosts in a white dress walking down the, you know, hallway or something like that. I don't find that particularly compelling or scary or anything like that. And you're like, well, Jason, why are you wasting my time and telling me a story like that? Because it's not the main part of the story. Shut up. Don't interrupt me. It's not the main part of the story. And 
I think her origin is hilarious. So to cut to the chase, she is a ghost who there's like a brick path along Harding College. And her ghost will walk through the college and like, you know, just kind of like walking through at night. But anyways, her ghost just walks around campus, you know, looking. She's at Starbucks. She's like, oh, come on, man. Where's my stuff? She's at the food court. She's like, oh, this food's disgusting, but I don't want to leave campus and lose my parking spot. And everyone else is like, she's basically Slimer at this point. I basically turned into Slimer. Her origin story. Let me get to it. Her origin story is she woke up one night. She's like, so tired. I need to walk down the hallway for some reason. She's like walking through the halls of her dorms late at night. She's like, I'll just keep my eyes shut as I'm walking through here. It's not like I believe I'm going to become a ghost. <laughs> Falls down an elevator shaft. Now, you might not find that humorous, but I find that... I've realized doing the show that 90% of people die in ways attributed to Looney Tune characters. Like, how hard does it have to be to avoid a giant hole on the third story or second story or whatever it was of a building? Of a door-sized... Multiple human hole. How hard is it to avoid that? But she just walked into an elevator shaft and fell. Now, the, again, the couple problems I have with that is you don't just walk into an elevator. You're just not like, hey, Barry, and like face through the door. There's, it takes a lot of effort to open up an elevator door. Now, I had heard that story before and I read it a couple times when I was researching this. And then I found another version and they're like, there was a black figure. <laughs> they, 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 total, they totally sexed it up. They're like, Every, all the girls in the dorm heard a piercing scream. Ah! They left out the pfft, they left out the squish noise and heard a piercing scream. And as one of the girls ran out of her room, she saw a dark figure run away. And all that was left was Gertie's broken body. That didn't happen. That come on, that didn't happen. You're that's you're just making that part up. Now they're just trying to add a murder a murder plot to it. No, that didn't happen. That wasn't sourced in any other article. Gertie, you just fell down an elevator shaft, down a hole that never moves. The second ghost, however, is far more fascinating. Also at Harding College. This happened in the 1930s. Now, you know, the thing with Gertie, we don't... I mean, people have said that they've seen her, and that story may or may not be true. This story also has probably some faults in the telling of it as far as how factual it is because we don't have things like names and stuff like that we just have a vague time like the 1930s but again it's a very very interesting story it's kind of out of the normal ghost stories we hear 1930s there is a dormitory no, no they didn't have an elevator as far as i know and there's this young woman who falls in love with a young man now she lived on the third floor of the dorm, but it was an all-girls dorm, so it w- you couldn't have boys over, but you know you could have some you could have some fun, a little little sorority sexiness, you know. Get you know pillow fights and pajama parties, and maybe you know you're getting a little too drunk and you're like doing the flapper dance. It's the 1930s, so they're doing the flapper dance, and the girls are getting a little too close, but you know the the room feels heavy and hot, and just things happen sometimes it doesn't mean anything young 1930s ghost eventual ghost woman it doesn't mean anything it's okay you're just experimenting you're in college but (laughs) my my fantasy aside the real story is is that there was this girl as i as i kind of wandered off into dreamland there's this young girl who falls in love with a young boy she goes to harding college she's in her dorm her dorm dorm's on the third floor 
but she would meet up with her with her boyfriend. I'm assuming they just held hands. That was like considered a home run back then. But he died tragically in a car accident, and she was just completely inconsolable. She kind of broke off all of her social contacts, and on the third floor of this. Well, you, now I'm thinking it might not be a dormitory because there is a piano up there, but we'll just assume, we'll just for the sake of the story. The, the, the point is, is that on the third story of this building, this young forlorn girl that may or may not have been her dormitory played the piano all day long. Super, super sad piano music. That was just the only way she could console herself. So she's up there. She's playing sad music. She's playing the theme song to The Incredible Hulk up there and people are like that's really catchy she she should try like selling that to a tv show or something people are like what's a tv show it's the 1930s and they start doing the flapper dance anyway so she's playing this sad piano music on the third floor that's all she ever did now again this is a point where i have to ask a question as a skeptic they didn't kick her out of school they just let her keep attending school and they're like hey you need to come to your classes and she would like play one key for yes and two keys for no she's like dong and they're like whoa sorry so, I mean, obviously, they wouldn't just let her play the piano all the time. She'd have to go to classes and stuff like that. But a couple months later, she mysteriously died, and the implication is that she died of a broken heart. So, again, there's some factual problems with the story. But this is a legend at this school. She's up there. She plays the piano all day long. She's super sad. She passes away. Now, they say to this day, on the third floor, you can still hear s- slow, sad piano music. Every so often, it's not all the time. You're not like trying to study, and it's like, it's not like that. Like, she, every so often, you'll hear like a sad piano song. But here's the interesting part that building was completely torn down, and now there is no third floor. It only goes up two stories. So the building was torn down, and when they rebuilt it, they're like, ah, we don't have to build it that high. They got lazy. They're like, there's a bunch of awnings still like set up. They're like, yeah, whatever. The building's only two stories high, but people on the second floor will hear music coming from the sky above them. Before the building was torn down, people would say the music came from the third floor. And now they say the music is coming basically from the roof. That's an interesting event because you don't see that happening a lot in ghost stories. I'll come across a story every once in a while where something like that happens. Where they will have a building that is burned out and there'll still be a ghost in the area that originally was haunting that house. But the idea of a building actually being destroyed and rebuilt in a different way and the ghost still haunting the original location of the haunting, that's very, very rare. And I think this is the only example off the top of my head I can re- think of. And <laughs> top of my head, I'm looking at notes, but I, there's a one or two more that I've heard of. But in all of ghost lore, is very, very unique. And to me, that makes it a little more plausible. The area, if you believe that the area that you haunt is the area that you haunt, whatever is done there shouldn't matter. So if a bunch of people die in a church and you build a museum on top of it and the ghosts haunt the museum, people are like, well, yeah, because the church burned down. But if you have someone on the third floor become a ghost and then you raise the building build up another one and it's coming from the air, that would also logically still make sense. So ghosts don't stand on stuff. But here's the scary thing. Think about 9-11. Are there a bunch of ghosts like 80 stories up just wandering around? There's just nothing there anymore. They have that new building, but I mean, it's not like the exact same profile. Like, could you look out your window like late at night, three in the morning in New York, look out your window with a pair of binoculars and see like a guy in a business suit like doing his daily routine, just walking around in the sky. That's creepy. 
It's a creepy idea. Because it totally offsets how we think of physics and reality and spatial things and stuff like that. So I thought that's that's that was really interesting. I really like that story. But I had to get through the elevator falling person first because I just thought that was hilarious. Okay, so now we're going to move on. Oh, and I wanted to say this too real quick. There is a Twitter account called the Cafe and Diner. It's at Cafe and Diner. If you are into paranormal stuff, check them out. Check them out. It's an interesting Twitter account. It's an interesting Twitter account. At Cafe and Diner. Very, very interesting. Dead Rabbit recommends at Cafe and Diner. Okay, I just wanted to get that out there. Now we're going to move on to our main story. Our main story is a story of haunted mine shafts. Now, mines are creepy to begin with. They're basically big old holes in the earth. Of course, I mean, that's literally the definition of a mine. They're giant holes in the earth. And some of them we make, and some of them... Do you make a mine? Do people see a mountain and go, I wonder what's in there, and start drilling into into a mountain? Or... Do they find existing mines and go, hey, look, there's like this hole in this cave. Let's make it bigger. Or let's start like taking our pickaxes and like knocking stuff off. I think it would probably take a lot of effort to have like a... (laughs) I I just realized I expect... (laughs) For some reason, I assumed scientists would have access to Cobra Commander's drilling machine. I don't think those really exist. I don't think... There's really like a vehicle, a tank with a Cobra logo on it that has a giant drill in the front. And they're like, let's mine, boys. I don't know why I thought that was real for a second. They're always, I think they're almost always holes that are already in mountains. I don't think they're using 1980s cartoon technology to mine. But anyway, so we're going to Bodie State Historic Park in California. Now, In 1902, there's this mine that people were mining for a while. But in 1902, these dudes were mining it. And for whatever reason, maybe in 1902, they didn't have access to, like, like, maybe this was state-of-the-art equipment back then. But they had a white mule in the mine. Now, not the fact that it was white made it high-tech, but I guess you had a mule to help move the ore carts around, but I thought they had, like, those little pump thingies, like, when two guys are on both sides. <laughs> Again, everything I know about the world is from cartoons. But anyway, so I guess that's probably why the mule was down there. 1902, they had this white mule deep in the mine. It was the 500-foot drop, 500 feet down in the mine. It was called the fifth level. And then ore cart broke loose, and like went down <laughs> indiana jones is sitting in it they're like no indiana no it goes down the 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 track and hits the mule and breaks its back and so the people there are like ah, that sucks so they shoot the shoot the mule in the head and they're like well you know he was a good mule he was a good mule i don't know if they said that they may have hated his guts for all i know but miners began so now like people just go about their business but over time on the fifth level 500 feet down they begin to smell the smell of fresh mule droppings. Hey, Barry, do you, do you smell that? And the other guy's like, dude, whoa, man, lay off the sarsaparilla. And he's like, I'm, there's no sarsaparilla around here. And it's not me. Sarsaparilla doesn't even do that. Oh, it smells like mule droppings. My first question when I read that was, well, how do you know the difference between mule droppings and any other beast of burdens droppings? The other guy could have been like, no, that's definitely camel. Other guy's like, no, that's horse, probably a female horse. And they're like, what? But anyways, so they would smell the smell of fresh mule droppings. 
it could have just been methane in the in the cave, but maybe they'd all be dead. And then people were like, well, whatever, we'll just get over it. It smells down here, but we'll keep working. But then people started like rounding a corner and they would see the white mule standing at the end of this tunnel, which is terrifying. A ghost girl walking down a pathway in a college is not scary. It's kind of like, oh, that's kind of interesting. A ghost mule 500 feet into the earth is terrifying. And it got to the point that people wouldn't even work that level of the mine anymore. They're like, I'm not going down there. Smells, and I can deal with that. But then when I saw a ghost mule, like I'm walking, working down there with my headlamp, and I turn, and there's just a mule at the end of a tunnel. I'm not, no. So they weren't, basically, that part of the mine, no one would work. There was also an interesting part in that same mine where there was a 1,200-foot shaft. There's like a drop. And reportedly, someone one day picked up a rock and threw it down the shaft. And when it hit the ground, they heard someone go, Hey, you! Now, that, I think, is 100% made up. Because, again, if you did that, after you left your own mule droppings in the mine, your first instinct would to be to do it again, to see if it's replicated. But the mine is closed off now. They blew it up. You can't get in there. So who knows? But I think the mule story is creepy. However, now, though, what we want to do is we're still in the Bodie State Historic Park. We are going to Lucky Boy Mine. And in Lucky Boy Mine, we are going to play an interactive adventure like we have before. I saw Bandersnatch, by the way. It was, a, it was okay. Kind of lost the novelty in a bit. But I'll give him an A for effort. Um, I think they can perfect it. But we're doing our own version. But very, very low tech. This is after World War II, so fairly recent. Fairly recent. After World War II, shortly after World War II, right now is after World War II, I should be more specific. After World War II, Lucky Boy Mine was closed down, and the town that was built to support Lucky Boy Mine became a ghost town except for six people. So go ahead and pick a number between one and six. Okay, so you got your number. That number will determine your fate in the course of this story. So you got your number in your head. You might have written it down. I don't know, because I told you to get your number two pencils earlier. You're like, why? Well, I bought these. I got to use them for something. Bodie State Historic Park, Lucky Boy Mine. The town is empty, except for six people. Now, I know the name of one of them. One of the names has been recorded historically. The other five, we don't know the names of. So I've had to give them names. Ed, that is a real name. His wife, Misha, a young Indian woman. And then there's four other members of the city. So you have Ed and his wife, then you have four other members of the town. Tommy, Philbert, Mackenzie, and Jonas. They're just, I mean, it sounds like a boy band. Those are the names I came up with on the spot. I don't know many Indian women <laughs> named Misha, but again, you just gotta cut me some slack. Cut me some slack. So, we're in the town surrounding Lucky Boy Mine. Spooky little town. Spooky little ghost town. Only six people in a town, which would be creepy anyways. Ed was not a nice person. He was not known to be a nice person. And if you pick the number four, you are Ed. So so you're not a nice person. You're not. And you're like, Jason, that hurts my feelings. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You, you might be a nice person in real life. But for the sake of the story, you're kind of a douchebag. Now, he's especially not nice to his wife, Misha. And if you picked one, you're Misha. One night... He gets really, really mad. Ed has just had it with whatever minor thing Misha has done this time. He grabs his shotgun. So sorry, number one. He grabs his shotgun. (laughs) Blows her chest off. Just kills her. She doesn't die right away. It's a very slow death. Well, not relatively slow. I guess a slow death would be living to your 80s and dying in your sleep. But she didn't just die immediately. It just blew, blew part of her chest off and she bled out for a while and died. Now, 
there's no law. There's no law enforcement there. There's no cops. There's, there's only four other people there other than Ed and his now deceased wife. And three of them, Mackenzie, Tommy, and Filbert, could not let this injustice stand. They thought that the murder of his wife was just, had to be punished. So one night, they grab Ed. Get, let go of me, you varmints! What are you doing? Get over! They lead him down to a creek. There was a creek nearby the town. Now, they tie him up. What do you get to do? Uh, when I get loose of these ties and get my shotgun, I'm going to show you stuff. They throw him. This, uh, this might be one of the most inefficient ways to murder another human. They throw him into the creek to drown him. He doesn't drown, obviously, because he can just lift his head a couple centimeters, and he's fine. So then, there are three guys are standing around, and they're like, well, we didn't really think that one out. There's like a raging river 20 feet away, and they're like, we don't know why we took him to this creek, and we're kind of lazy, so we don't want to pick him back up. They then proceeded to kick him in the head, but not to kill him. They kicked him in the head until he became unconscious, so he would drown. Now, there's other ways. To, one, they could have just kicked him to death. Two, they could have just held him underwater, but the idea of kicking someone into unconsciousness so they will drown is so ineffective. But anyways, well, I guess not because it works. Mackenzie, Filbert, Tommy, all give each other, they all jump in the air, give each other a high five at the same time, even though the high five hadn't been invented. Fun fact, they invented the high five and the freeze frame when they, when they all stood up there. And Ed had drowned. So if you pick number four, you're, you're a drowned victim. And... It wasn't fun. You got kicked until you became unconscious. I wonder what he dreamt about. I wonder if he dreamt about not getting kicked in the head. He's like, this is a beautiful dream. I'm not getting kicked in the head anymore. Two months go by. And these four dudes, now they have the town to themselves. I'm going to make an assumption. Probably got a little gay. Four guys in a town in the middle of nowhere. You know, just hanging out. Doing little after World War II dances. But the room's hot. (laughs) It's heavy. And it's okay. You're just prospectors. You're just experimenting. It's okay. doesn't mean anything. doesn't mean anything. But anyways, so two months later, they're the only ones in town. And one night, Mackenzie's laying in bed. Jonas is next to him. No, no, no. So Mackenzie's laying in bed. And he sees the ghost of Ed, the frightening form of Ed, appear in front of him, shaking his fist silently at him. I imagine him thinking, why you little? And fades from view. And Mackenzie wakes up and was like, oh my god, what the hell was that? Next day, he tells his friends, I saw the go- I-, I saw Ed's ghost and he was shaking his fist furiously at me. And the two other guys who helped murder him, Tommy and Filbert, were like, I saw him last night too. Now at this point, Jonas is very, very happy he didn't take part in the murder of Ed. Very, very happy. He's just sitting there drinking his sarsaparilla. He's like, I told you. Told you you shouldn't have kicked him until he drowned. And they're like, shut up, Jonas. We'll take you down to the creek, too. And he's like, gulp. Short time later, Jonas is walking through the empty town. Whistling a song. And he turns a corner and he sees the body of Tommy with a huge gash in his head. It's just split open. He turns turns to you and goes, if you pick number three, (laughs) that's you. And then he just goes back to the saloon, drinks more sarsaparilla. So Tommy got his just head split open. Nobody in the town knew why. None of the three other people knew why. Maybe it was, maybe he fell. Maybe a bear karate chopped him. Nobody knew. 
Short time after that, Jonas is hanging out. He gets a phone call at home. Well, I guess they don't even need phones. They just yell across the street. He all of a sudden hears Filbert go, Jonas! Jonas! Jonas, come here! Jonas is like, damn it. (laughs) I had other stuff to do, but apparently I have to go over here. He goes over to Filbert's house. He sees Filbert's head. Here, let's make this dramatic. He walks into the house. All the lights are off. And there's a roaring fire. And he just sees the silhouette of a man hunched over the fire. And he's like, Filbert? Filbert, are you okay? And Filbert slowly turns towards him as the fire crackles. And Jonas goes, sounds like you're just crinkling paper. But no, no. So Filbert keeps turning. And his head is swelling up in front of Jonas. Just He has this massive hemorrhage. Like you can just see the blood pouring out of his skull and brain. But it's not splitting the skin. His head is inflating like a balloon. And he turns to Jonas and goes, help me. And dies. And then Jonas turns, turns to you and goes, if you pick number five, <laughs> that was you. He goes back to the saloon. At this point, Jonas is having a real hard time telling the difference between fantasy and reality. He's like, for some reason, I feel like I'm in a podcast in the, in the year 2019. What's going on? <laughs> Short time after that, there's only two people left in town. There's Jonas and Mackenzie. And then one day, there's just Jonas. He's like, that's weird. This town's even more deserted than it normally is. What's going on? There should be two people here. Mackenzie. Mackenzie. His dog comes running up. He's like, oh, I forgot I named my dog Mackenzie, but I wasn't asking for you. Mackenzie. Town, his, his voice is just echoing through the town. Mackenzie. Mackenzie's body is never found. Jonas just kind of shrugs and he goes, if you, pick, if, you, if you pick number two, you're never found. But I have my made up way because I don't want you to just be a missing person because then you could be like, well, fine. I just went to Vegas. Ed grabs you and brings you into the hell realm. Where? Pokes your eye out, pulls out your teeth, puts them in your eye socket, and gives it to a devil baby as a rattle. So that's you. So you would have much better off than having just a hemorrhage or your head split open. If you pick number six, you're Jonas. You're the one who survived to tell the tale of the Lucky Boy Mine. And one of the most frightening examples of a ghost returning from the dead to kill his murderers. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. (laughs) 